Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Hill City Church in Springfield, Missouri. We are a community of believers who exist to glorify God by making disciples who bring gospel restoration to our city and world. For more information about Hill City or to support our ministry, you can find us online at hillcitysgf.org. Hi, y'all. My name is Britt. Um, I am going to be reading Luke 12, um, 35 through 40. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, Blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming, and at an hour you do not expect. Morning, guys. It's good to be with you all. It's been a couple weeks. I've been in Italy for the past two weeks, uh, working with uh, Giacomo and Miriam, our partners there, our church planners. They love this church. They send you greetings. They have Hill City coffee mugs in their house. They just, they love Hill City. Um, I, I went, I preached uh, in, in Perugia, which is where their church is, a uh, couple, two Sundays ago, I guess. It was really cool. When we first started going there, oh, like three years ago, they may have had, I don't know, 14, 18, 20 people that came to their, to their church, which in Italy is a big, that's a big church, for, a normal-sized church for a Christian church. And I think that Sunday I was there, I think they had like, I don't know, 50, 60 people. So cool. Just how the Lord's working there. Uh, Emily and I did our marriage conference that we do here in the States. We did there. I had no idea how that would go with the translation. It went well. They loved it. Uh, then I preached in Siena uh, the, the next week at that Giacomo's father's church. His name's Rocco. Uh, preached there. But I'm so glad to be back. Uh, they send you greetings there. I ate lots of good food. It's, it's crazy. In Italy, you eat pasta every meal. And I never had the same pasta twice. It's crazy how many different things they have. Um, but it's so good to be back with you. Um, came back and I, I was listening to the podcast from Royce teaching and then Brad uh, to kind of catch myself up on, on where we've been. If you've, if you've been with, with us, Luke chapter 12, last week Brad talked about stewardship through the lens of money. Jesus talked about money last week. Um, and this week he's going to talk about stewardship again, but not about money. One of the things when we think stewardship, we, we can't think, oh, it's just talking about what I do with the money I have. Stewardship is the idea of, of just wise use of what I have, like using, managing something in a beneficial way. That's stewardship. And today, Jesus is going to call his disciples and, and, and now us to consider stewardship and how it revolves around our time, our effort, our focus, our mentality. What we spend our life thinking about doing, worrying about. He's going to call us to question this. Now, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, Luke chapter 12, I'm going to try to cover several, several chunks. You look at four different kind of stories that Jesus tells in this passage. There's some stories that Jesus tells like, oh, this is really, I know exactly what this is talking about. This is not this Sunday. Like these are four interesting stories. They kind of uh, sometimes appear like, what is he saying? One of the things we have to remember about the gospel writers, specifically Luke here, he does not write a chronological account of the life of Jesus. So when you open your Bibles and read uh, the book of Luke, you can't think, oh, this is day one, this is day two, this is day three. No, Luke takes an orderly account, he says, of the life of Jesus. So even today, as we look at, at this, this passage, one section of this, may, Jesus may have said this in March, and another he may have said in August, or in the next year for another one. And then Luke took these and put them together in a way that he thought flowed to make a point. And I'm going to try to make it as clear as I can on what the main point of this section is. But I'll tell you, there's some confusing things. Let's, let's look at it, verse 35. He tells his disciples, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. Now, let me unpack this as we go. So this idea of keeping lamps burning. Um, in, in those days, they didn't have electricity, so, so you couldn't just turn a light on. 
to keep a light on for, for someone that's going to come to the house. You had to actively go pour oil in the lamps to keep them burning. So if you wanted to keep your, your lights burning throughout the night, you would have to get up and put lamps in your oil. That's the context there. So remember, Jesus is a Middle Eastern teacher, rabbi. He teaches with things they can, they can picture, concrete things. And so can you picture a servant getting up in the middle of the night to go put oil in a lamp so that the lamp will get burning? That's what he wants you to picture. He just wants you to have that image in your mind. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast. So they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Okay, here's a picture Jesus wants you to think about. He wants you to think about some servants. And their master has gone to a wedding. Now, Jewish weddings were not like our weddings. A Jewish wedding lasted several days. So picture this servant or this master has left. He's gone to a wedding in, in, a, in a neighboring town. The, the people there, the, the servants at the house, have no idea when he's going to come back. This wedding may last three days. They may party on for a week. No one really knows. So he says, be like this servant whose master is gone, but he's going to come back. And when he knocks, the servant needs to be ready to open the door. Verse 37, blessed are those servants who find the master awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he, the master, will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table, and he will come and serve them. So there's this really cool picture of the master coming back, finding his servants like ready and, and anticipating his return. And the, when the master comes back, the master has a feast and serves the servants. Now again, in, in this day, counterculture, like this is, a master doesn't serve his servants. But Jesus gives them, he wants them to picture this idea. And if he comes in the second watch or in the third, there's a reference to time. So there's, a, there's watches of the night. The first watch would be early in the evening. The second watch would be kind of late, uh, you know, middle of the night. And then the third watch would be early hours of the morning. What's his point? A master's gone to a wedding. The servants don't know when he's going to return. They need to be ready. They need to be watching. These servants are expected to be faithful, to be serving when the master comes. Jesus' words here are call for readiness. And we have this image of a master leaving, but one day will return. And he wants the disciples to picture this. Verse 39. It's going to jump on a different metaphor. It's in really continuation of the same, a different one. Again, could be right, right after this, could be a different day. We don't know. Know this. If a master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would have not have left his house to be broken into. So what's the, what's the image he wants you to see? He wants you to get this idea of this master leaves his house, he comes back, and a thief has come and, and taken everything. And this guy's saying, man, if I'd have known when that thief was going to be here, I'd have, I'd have been ready. Like home alone. I'll be, I'll be here. I'll be ready for them, right? Th that's what he wants you. But he says, no one knows when a thief's coming. Right? So he says, verse 40, you must also, disciples, be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Now, as we read parables, and we read this as contemporary readers, and we talk about this a lot, but there's always a danger that we just read this through our frame of reference. Whenever you see the phrase, be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect, what, what do you think about? What, what pops in your mind? This, for me, I'll talk for me. Thanks, Daniel. Uh, the second coming of Christ. Does anyone else raise your hand? Is that what you thought of? That's what I thought of, right? Second coming of Christ. So here's what the Bible teaches, that Jesus came, he lived, died, resurrected, comes back, commissions his disciples to go make other disciples form the church. Here we are. But he promises his disciples that one day he will come. He will come back to this earth. Book of Revelation talks about this. The other, some of the other uh, New Testament books talk about Jesus coming. And the idea is that one day he will come back to earth he will kick out evil 
He will restore goodness to this creation, that heaven will be heaven and earth coming together, this new creation where Jesus rules forever. That hasn't happened yet. We anticipate that coming. Now, again, as contemporary readers, it's easy to say, oh yeah, that's what Jesus is talking about. And then to build our theology based on that understanding. But I want to caution us here. Who's, the, who's Jesus talking to? Help me. The disciples. They have no frame of reference right now for the second coming of Christ. M- many of them don't even know that he is going to go die on the cross, resurrect. Like They don't even understand that. So hear me, Jesus is talking to a group of people, telling them, you don't know when the master is going to leave, or the master is going to leave, you don't know when he's going to come back, so be ready. What's getting ready to happen to these disciples? They are going to live with Jesus, walk with Jesus, he's going to be crucified, he's going to die, he's going to leave, he's gone from them. Then three days later he's coming back, and he appears to them. And so I was, I was studying this, trying to get my head around it, and some, when you look at commentaries, some just automatically jump to the second coming, the return of Christ that will come in the future. Others say, no, he's talking to the disciples. Here's what I'm saying. Does it matter? Does it matter if Jesus is talking to disciples, saying, hey, I'm going to come back. You think I'm going to die and be gone forever, but I'm actually coming back, be ready. Or Jesus teaching about his second coming that's now for us, saying that he's going to come back. At the end of the day, what is the point of this story that Jesus tells? Be ready. You don't know when the master's coming, right? I heard someone talk about it like this, because again, we could get so, with all these parables, these stories, we can get so much in the weeds and miss the big picture. There's this question, is he talking about the second coming of Christ uh, when he's going to come back, or is he talking about just like his resurrection? I heard someone explain it like this. Um, So think think about mountains. If you've ever been out in Colorado and you've got like foothills and you have big mountains. So I was just in Italy, in Tuscany where, where we were. It's beautiful. You have this big, long valley. And then throughout this valley, you have all these little, these little mound, mountains, mounds. And there's medieval towns built on every single one of these. Every little town is just, they're beautiful, beautiful churches, architecture. They, hundreds of years ago, built these little medieval towns on the mountains so that they could have good defense if people came. Uh, and so now as you look out, you can see all these little mountains with towns up on them. So I arrived uh, in Italy, and it was in the night when we got there, and Giacomo and Mary moved to a new home that I hadn't been to before, and they moved to a home on top of one of these little mountains. And Giacomo picked, picked me up, he's like, Daniel, you just, you can't wait, man. Tomorrow morning, like the view you're going to see outside our home, it's absolutely gorgeous. You can see everything. And so sure enough, I wake up, the first thing is like, hey, Daniel, come outside, come see the view. So I walk out, and I, and I, and I look out, and you, I could see for miles and I can see this little medieval town here, and I can see this medieval town. There's, there's vineyards all over the hillsides, and, and in the back, like I don't know, 20 miles, I see a CC up in the mountains, this little town there. And then, and then behind that even, there's this really big mountain with snow up on the top of it. Okay? And here's what Giacomo said. What do you think? Is it beautiful? Now, what was he asking, is it beautiful? Is he talking about the mountain? In the far distance, is he talking about the hills, this? All of it, yes. It's the same way when we, think, when we look at passage like this. Is Jesus talking about his second coming, or is he talking about his resurrection and coming back to the disciples? How about this? Yes. Yes. It's beautiful, right? He, he, he has this message for them, this metaphor, a master's leaving He will come back, you don't know when, be ready. Verse 41, Peter says, it's always Peter that asks questions and speaks up, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? Okay, so Peter asked Jesus this question, who is this parable for? Remember, Jesus is a, a rabbi. He teaches in parables. Oftentimes, he would tell, the, tell a parable, tell a story, and not even tell them what the story is about. So Peter asked for clarification. Who is this for? 
And Jesus, in verse 42, is going to answer Peter. And you can see that Peter's probably not going to really understand how, what the answer is. Because as a Middle Eastern rabbi, Jesus doesn't say, well, Peter, here's who this is for. Boom. Jesus tells another story that's even more confusing than the first. Verse 42. And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, this master, he will set him over all possessions. Okay, so we have a picture of this servant who master leaves, master comes back, servant's done, everything like he's supposed to, like he's been faithful. And so the master sets that, he gives him more honor, more, more responsibility, blesses him. Okay, verse 45. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming, like my master's gone, he's not coming back, and begins to beat the male and female servants, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and an hour he does not know, and he will cut him into pieces and put him with the unfaithful. Ouch. So, Again, Jesus wants you to picture this, right? Master goes away, comes back. This time, the servant, there's a, there's a servant who is just wicked. And he takes advantage while the master's away, starts beating everyone, throws a big party. And it says the master comes back, he's angry, he cuts them to pieces. Someone's like, man, I hope that's not me. Yeah. Verse 47. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. Okay, so now we have a servant who knows the master's gone. He knows he's supposed to do something, but he's just lazy. He doesn't do anything. And so the master comes back and he gets beat. Okay, so again, first servant's faithful. Master comes back, gets rewarded. Second servant is wicked, and he gets cut into pieces. The third servant is lazy and he gets beat. Verse 48. But the one who did not know, meaning did not know what he was supposed to do, just kind of the master left and he's like, where'd he go? I don't know. Everyone who, okay, sorry. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required, and from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand more. Okay, what was Peter's question? Who is this for? What was Jesus' answer? <laughs> Who knows, right? Did anyone else find that very confusing? Okay, just me. I'm the only idiot in the room. All right, the rest of you, you got, the, you got this figured out. I have no idea. And you can almost see Peter like, what? Like, I don't, I don't know. So it's so funny. So there's this phrase in Italy when you don't know what to say, like you don't know the answer. Here's what you say, Bo. Which is really funny because one of our interns that went there last year, his name is Bo. And so everywhere he introduced himself, people like <coughs> kind of giggle. Like, so imagine in America, what's your name? I don't know. <laughs> so I heard Bo all week. Bo. Love you, Bo. So, so this is the thing with parables. Because we're not used to them, we're not used to hearing teaching from a Middle, Middle Eastern rabbi who uses parables, we can get lost in the intricacies of this parable. We can start jumping, okay, I'm going to figure this out. The first servant, oh, that's obviously faithful Christians who do what God said and they receive a blessing. The next one, wicked, oh, that's, that's the non-Christians because they just don't even do what God says and they're wicked. The, the one that's lazy, oh, that's Lazy Christians, I guess, but they get beat by Jesus? What? And then you get the last one. Then there's a group of people that don't really know what they're supposed to do, so they don't do nothing. They just get a little spanking. What do you do with that? So I want to caution us here. Use, use this to caution us. Anytime you read a Bible, read the Bible, and you come across a passage of Scripture like this, that really just has a lot of questions. I want to caution us, and especially with parables. 
caution us about trying to look into all the details of this and then build a theology based on an unclear passage of Scripture like this. When we talk about parables, we have to be careful thinking that every single phrase in the parable is some clue for something else and then drawing those distinctions. Now we can ask some questions and ponder, man, I wonder when he says this, I wonder what that looks like. And as I've studied this, it's so interesting. Uh, all the commentaries, like, no one really knows what to do with this. And again, here's what I'd say. Does it really matter who the servants are? What's the point? Be ready. Maybe I could tell it like this. Because we don't really have a frame of reference for servants and a master who get a beating. How about this? There's a pastor that had four kids. Okay? And his kids were, were a little bit older. And that pastor and his wife leave for a week vacation. They tell the kids, hey, you need to act like you're supposed to while we're gone. Pastor and his wife come back, and one of the kids has been faithful and mow the yard and clean the house and done what he's supposed to do. And so that kid is rewarded. Well, another kid, he just throws a, a rager, throws a huge party, tears up everything. There's, there's things like, like, just totally makes a wreck of the place. And they kill that kid. Not literally, but they, they want to. <laughs> the third kid, parents come back, and he just laid around and watched watch TV all day. Like, eh, I don't know. Dad's gone. I'm just going gonna to watch Netflix. Uh, that kid gets beat also. Uh, but not quite as bad as the kid that threw the party. Right? Then there's the youngest kid, and, and they just kind of told the youngest kid, hey, just don't burn the house down. And they come back, and the, young, and the, the, the dad come the youngest kid like, what the hell, like, what's, what's going on? Like, you could have, you, you saw your brother, like, what he was doing. Like, you know that's wrong, right? Like, he gets a spanking because he should have known better and called his dad. That's the story, okay? What's the point of the story? Disobedience will be punished. Obedience will be rewarded. And at some level, capacity will be considered. Say it again. Disobedience punished, obedience rewarded, and at some level, capacity will be considered. Again, we could go jump on a big train theologically and try to unpack what all four of these people are. I think if we do that, I think we miss the point of Jesus' teaching. What's his point? There's a master that's leaving. He will come back at some point. Be ready. Be faithful. Time is limited. And I think what Jesus is telling Peter, because remember Peter says, hey, Jesus, who's this for? What's he telling Peter? Peter, especially you. <laughs> I, I'm, I've been walking with you, Peter, for, for three years here. Like, you have been entrusted with much. Peter, be faithful. I almost hear Jesus, Peter, quit worrying about everyone else. Like, just be faithful. You've been entrusted. So this, this, this central theme of this passage of Scripture we're on is, are these this, talk of a master leaving, coming back. No one knows when he's going to come, so be ready. Be faithful. Obedience is rewarded. Obedience comes with blessing. Verse 49. Now it's going to get very confusing. Jesus says, I came to cast fire on the earth. No one has that on a coffee cup. <laughs> I came to cast fire on the earth. <laughs> Jesus, you know, <laughs> make a bumper sticker out of that one. <laughs> and would that were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it's accomplished. Do you think that I've come to give peace on earth? Well, yeah, Jesus, at Christmas we sing about peace on earth, goodwill towards men. No, I tell you, but rather division. What? <laughs> For from now... From now on, in one house, there will be five divided, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Anyone else feel like that's right out of left field? Okay, again, let's zoom out. Who's Jesus talking to right here? Help me. Disciples. He's telling them. The master will leave. 
that he'll come back, stay faithful, keep working, be ready. Obedience will be rewarded. And then he jumps into this idea of like, hey, don't think that I've come to bring peace on this earth. Now, again, why would he say this? At this point, many of the disciples still, they believe Jesus is the Messiah, but their idea of Messiah is one, a warrior who will come and set up a kingdom where Israel is the ruler, are the rulers of the world, that they will reign, there will be peace on earth because the king, the Messiah, is on the throne, literally on the throne. That's what many of them believe, even up to this point. Again, that's why when Jesus is arrested, Peter takes out the sword and like, all right, it's go time. I think, I believe, here's what, I may be wrong, I may be wrong, I believe here's what Jesus is telling them. Hey, disciples, be ready, I'm going to leave, and this kingdom looks different than what you think it is. That I have not come to establish this kingdom on earth of peace where Israel rules. As a matter of fact, me coming will cause division. And hey, disciples, you're going to be hated. The fact that you're following me, your own countrymen will turn their backs on you and will hate you. Many of these disciples, I'm sure their families disown them for following this rebel named Jesus. I think Jesus is shepherding and pastoring his people, telling them that there are tough days ahead. Stay faithful. The master's coming, or the master's left. He'll come back. There's going to be division. The message of the cross is is polarizing. Stay faithful. You say, like, Jesus will penetrate families and families will divide around the name of Jesus. And some of you feel that, right? Some of you go home to Thanksgiving conversations or Christmas conversations and it's jabs. And you feel that divide. Some brothers and sisters in Italy that I was with um, that grew up in this in this. Italy, this, this cultural Catholicism that is Italy, not, not really even going to church, it's like I'm Catholic because I'm Italian, then become Christians and follow Jesus are disowned by their family. And some of you know that. I think Jesus is shepherding us here. Shepherding disciples. The master's coming. He'll be gone. He's coming back. Stay faithful. There will be tough days. You may get left, you may, you may be disowned, your family may turn on you, stay faithful. Verse 54. Now, he also said to the crowds, okay, so here we go, Jesus is going to switch his focus. He's been talking to the disciples, now he's going to look at the crowd. So you can imagine a big crowd of people around Jesus to hear his teaching. He says to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, a shower is coming. And so it happens. And when you see a south wind blowing, you say there will be scorching heat, and it happens. So Jesus is talking to this crowd of people in an agriculture society before weather and KY3 weather, weather app and all your, like, they, they need to know what to do with their crops. And, you know, do I water today? Is there rain coming tomorrow? Is there heat coming? And so they know, like they can look in the evening and see how the sun sets and know, ooh, that means a storm's coming. Or when they feel warm air start blowing in from the south, ooh, there's a heat wave coming. I got to get water out of my crops. Like they were, they were in tune with the weather is what he's saying. Verse 56. You hypocrites, you fools. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? And what's Jesus, remember in the context, master's leaving, he'll return, be faithful, be ready, be working. What's he telling the crowds? Like he's telling them, you are so caught up in like the, the details of today that you're like that servant who just kind of hangs around and his master's gone. He's talking to a generation of people that are so absorbed with today that they've lost the big picture. 
Now, I know we have no idea what he's talking about here, right? I, even like my iPhone, like all day long, I don't know if you guys get this, but I get these little alerts like ESPN, so-and-so traded so-and-so, or so-and-so got this contract, or news apps. I got one the other day that some guy in Europe swallowed a live catfish and ended up in the hospital or something. I'm like, what? Why do I need to know this? But they, they come to my phone. My daughter came up to me last hour. Dad, all you have to do is turn your notifications off. And I'm like, okay. I, all day long, I get this stuff, right? Got a, lot, we got a young crowd here. Got a really young crowd here. I love y'all. I see, all, like, all day long, Instagram, 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 snap, snap, like, all day long, right? Can we just be real? How many notifications you got in the past 20 minutes while you're sitting here? He's talking to a group of people that get so absorbed with all the little things that they miss the big picture. What's his message? Be ready. Time is short. The master's coming. Your life is like a vapor. It's gone so quick. Be ready. Be faithful. Be focused on what's important. Don't get distracted. That's the message. I believe the heart of this message is Jesus being pastoral, shepherding his people. That's what I believe the heart of this passage to be. And then for us to see how he talks to his disciples and how he shepherds them, and even to know the story that we know about him, and then to take that same message and, say to, and put it on us and say, okay, Jesus, I think, is graciously cautioning me, telling me, stay faithful, keep working, keep your head in on what's important. Don't get distracted by the world. That's what's going on here. So if you play out the story of these disciples... Here's what's going to happen in maybe a few months at this point. Is they're going to follow Jesus faithfully every day. They're going to walk with him. They're going to go where he goes. And then he's going to sit down with them and he's going to have a meal. He's going to sit around a table with them. He's going to sit down. He's going to take some bread. He's going to tear it. Say, hey, this bread represents my body, and my body's getting ready to be broken. And this wine, this wine it represents my blood, and my blood's getting ready to be poured out into a group of men that have faithfully followed him for three years. He's going to share a meal and bless them. Does that remind you of a parable in the, the very first parable we read? Now, Akashi, I'm not, hear me, I'm not saying that that's a direct hyperlink from there to here. I just As I'm reading this, I've been thinking about this for weeks, trying to play out what is Jesus doing? How is he shepherding his disciples? I see this meal as this very strategic thing. Like, Can you imagine John sitting at the Passover meal, sharing this meal with, his, with Jesus, and then like, oh yeah, yeah, he was talking about like obedience. We'll be rewarded with a meal. And he talked about a master serving the servants. And at the meal, Jesus comes and he washes disciples' feet. Like, oh, I get it. I, I picture that. Again, I'm not saying it's a direct hyperlink to there. Here's another story. We know the story, how this plays out. So Peter, let's take Peter, who asked this question, who's this for? Peter walks with Jesus, follows him all the way to the end. Jesus gets arrested in the garden. Peter takes out a sword. He's ready to fight. Jesus is like, no, Peter, put away your sword. We're not doing this. Peter follows Jesus into town. By the way, right before he told Jesus, Jesus, I will follow you anywhere. And Jesus says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Not me, Lord. Well, you know how that story played out, right? He follows Jesus into town. Someone's like, hey, aren't you with Jesus? Nope, don't know him. Don't know the Three times denies him. Can you imagine the shame there, right? You just denied Jesus. Jesus dies on the cross. Peter watches this. You, you, you know he's just overcome with guilt. Um, I can't, I, I did it. Like I told Jesus I was going to follow him to the end, and I, I wimp out at the end, and I deny him three times. I, I can imagine the sorrow. I can imagine the guilt, the shame, the feeling of a failure. Can, can you feel Peter's pain there? So Jesus died. The next time we find Peter 
We see an interaction with Peter and Jesus. And again, I'm not telling you it's a direct hyperlink to this passage. I just think it's interesting how this plays out. Jesus comes walking down the shore. And he sees Peter and a couple of other disciples out fishing in a boat. Now why are they fishing? Because they were fishermen before Jesus called them. Jesus died, and so they go back to fishing. Now, I don't know their motivation, but maybe they thought, well, we gave it a try. (laughs) Here's why I say that. There's another story that Jesus comes back after he's killed, and some of the disciples are walking down the street, and Jesus kind of comes up behind them to listen, and, and the disciples are saying, well, we thought he was the one, but I guess he's not. And Jesus is like, uh, hey, surprise, here I am. I think, imagine Peter may have felt that. Well, I thought Jesus was the Messiah, but now he's dead. And so Jesus leaves, he's killed. He raises, he comes up, and he shows up to Peter. Okay, you get this image. Master leaves and returns. What's he find Peter doing? Fishing, Right? After he's already denied him. And it's so funny because Peter sees Jesus and you've got Peter and a couple of disciples in the boat and Peter just jumps out of the boat and starts swimming ashore. And the other disciples are like, "Uh, we have paddles and they start rowing in. Like they probably pass Peter on the way in. Like I always have that image from Forrest Gump where he jumps out of his boat like, Lieutenant Dan, you know, that whole thing. And he comes ashore. Now picture this comes up to shore, Peter, who has just denied Jesus, and now is fishing. Now, maybe maybe that's okay. I I don't know, but it looks like to me he's kind of bailed on the whole discipleship thing for a little bit, and he's fishing again. And Jesus comes, and he's like, Peter, you're an idiot, man. No, he doesn't. What's he do? He serves them dinner, breakfast. They sit around a fire. Jesus cooks them fish, and they eat breakfast together. And Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Peter's like, yeah. Okay, Peter, feed my lambs. Like, be faithful. He asks him a second time, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Jesus. Okay, Peter, tend my sheep. Like, shepherd these people. He asks him a third time, Peter, do you love me? And he even says, Peter's like, like, yes, Jesus, you know I love you. Okay, Peter, feed my sheep. Stay faithful. I can imagine in Peter's mind, oh, the master's leaving, and he'll come back. But I see Jesus graciously restoring Peter and sending him out. And here's what we see in Peter. We see faithfulness, and he goes all the way to the end until he's killed for his faith. Now again, I'm not saying that that story is direct line to this parable but it's just interesting as you know the life of the disciples how some of this plays out so here we are what do we do with this because here's the reality Jesus is coming back maybe tomorrow maybe a hundred years maybe a thousand years Jesus is coming back and at some point your life will vanish And here's what I see Jesus here. I I see Jesus like as this shepherd, this gentle shepherd reminding us what's important. It's reminding us what's important. Telling us, be ready. Be faithful. You don't know when I'm coming back. So, so there's some dangers with this, with 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 where we are here. Number one, many of you are like, eh, I don't really care. Man, it's great. Jesus is coming back. Man, I'd caution you with that. Now, there's another group that we hear these parables and we get in all this and, and you just, oh, I just want to jump in. I want to know who this servant, this servant, this servant. You get into theology and, and you, you know so much about it, but then you don't really do what he tells you to do. I, I, so when I was in Perugia, or I'm sorry, in Siena, I preached there, I preached a sermon I did here a couple months ago about the Jewish education system, what it means to be a disciple. Do you guys remember that one? Um, and so I preached this whole sermon. I had this 
this old, old guy come up to me afterwards. And I know him. I've, I've known him for a couple of years now, and he, he knows a lot. And he came up to me, and, and I guess in my sermon, I meant to say there, in the days of Jesus, there were two million people in Judea, but instead I said there were two million people in Jerusalem. So he comes up, and he, and he you know, like, put his hand on, hey, you know now, you know that there was not two million people in Jerusalem, and I'm doing this through a translator, in Jerusalem, and then st- starts telling me all the other things I messed up in that sermon. Okay? Bless his heart. And I was, I was kind, I represented you well, I smiled and said, thank you, brother. Here's what I wanted to say. Who'd you bring to church today? Who'd you make a disciple of this week? Exactly. Here's the danger, let me caution us. We're in Midwest Bible Belt, like we have a lot of knowledge, we have a lot of information, a lot of you love to jump into the theology. What, that's great, do it, let's try to understand this, but what is the thrust of this passage? Stay faithful. Keep going. And there's this also this big danger. We come to church. Oh, that was good. Oh, we sit around the coffee shop and talk about all these things. Hear Jesus' words. Be faithful. The master's coming. Stay working. Keep going. Now, there's another group of you that you hear this story, these stories of Jesus, and hear the words you heard. Severe beating, cut into pieces, fire, Right? And so you're going, right now you're thinking, man, I hope God doesn't zap me. And there's this fear-based discipleship. And we kind of joke about it, but I'm telling you, I get to sit across a lot of you. A lot of you do what you do because you're scared God's going to get you if you don't. And that God, that the main motivation for your Christian life is fear of punishment. I don't want to go to hell. Here's the question. As you read this passage, do you hear in the tone of these stories, do you hear the main thrust being, you better watch out or God's going to get you? Does anyone hear that? I don't. Here's what I hear. The master's good. He loves you. He has a job for you. It's for your good. Stay faithful. I hear it as Jesus being pastoral, loving his people, shepherding his people. That God is this loving God that wants you to love him, not wants you to serve him out of fear of damnation and hell. That's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is, I love you, and now out of your love for me, serve me out of joy, not out of fear. Not this idea, well, God will beat me if I don't. God will cut me into pieces if I don't. So I remember as a kid, um, my, my grandma and grandpa were, were old school. My grandpa was actually a preacher, a Southern Baptist preacher. He one of, he's one of those like hellfire, like pound the pulpit, you know, turn or burn type thing. Uh, I, I barely remember him. Uh, and my grandma, she had several kids and they were poor their whole life, lived through the depression. I mean, just lived on a small farm uh, not far from here and, and just had a really rough life. And, and in those days, especially when you have a lot of kids, you just scare your kids into obedience. That's kind of that's how they worked. And I remember going to my grandma's house as a kid. Um, you know, I'm seven, eight, nine, and she was, she was pretty old. My, my grandpa was gone by then. But I remember she would, she would sit around and she would tell this poem. She had this poem memorized. And most of, probably many of you have never heard of this poem. It's written in the 1800s. It's called Little Orphan Annie. Anyone ever heard of this? It's, it's, it's really, it's really kind of funny. But the, the thrust of this poem is to scare kids into being good. That's what this poem is about. And so this poem is about this little orphan Annie, and, it, and it's about this idea that if you don't do what you're supposed to do, goblins, goblins will get you. Like it's yesterday. I can remember sitting in my grandma's house, the fire going right there, listening to this poem, being scared to death that if I got out of order, I was going to get eaten by goblins. Um, we were sitting around a few years ago at our, our lake house with all of my family, and my grandma, of course, is gone, and her kids are now like 70s, 80s, so, you know, older generation, and they were talking about this, oh, man, mom used to scare us to death with this little or, or any poem, and we used to be so good, and so we were just talking, we're like, hey, t- someone tell it, and so my uncle had it memorized because he heard it so many times, and so he starts telling this poem called Little Orphan Annie. Well, my kids are in there and some of the cousins, they're listening to this and we're all sitting around. And for the, for the, for the older kids, it's like nostalgia. They like, remember their mom. 
Well, my kids start crying. I mean, just like <laughs> weeping. So can I tell you, I won't tell you the whole thing. Just two, two little sections. It's so good. Here's a little orphan Annie. I'll try to, <clears throat> try to get in the mindset. Can you, so put yourself in the 1950s, 40s, 50s, a little small cottage in the woods, like in a fireplace, like that's your home, and you've got all these brothers and sisters, your mom's trying to keep you in line. So every night she tells you this story. <clears throat> Once there was a little boy who wouldn't say his prayers. So when he went to bed at night, away upstairs, his mommy heard him holler and his dad heard him bawl. But when they turned the covers down, he wasn't there at all. And they seeked him in the rafter room and cubby hole and press and seeked him up the chimney flue and everywhere, I guess. But all they ever found was his pants and roundabout. And the goblins will get you if you don't watch out. And one time a little girl, girls, this is for you. One time a little girl would always laugh and grin and make fun of everyone and all her blood and kin. And once when there was company and old folks was there, she mocked him and shocked him and said she didn't care. And this she kicked her heels and turned to run and hide and there was two big black things standing by her side. And they snatched her through the ceiling for she knew what she's about and the goblins will get you if you don't watch out. Can you imagine your mom telling you that? Okay, kids, go off to bed. <laughs> like counseling is what that requires right there. I thought of that this morning. I was talking to Brad from my sermon. I was like, oh, it's almost like that little Orphan Annie poem. I called my mom just to make sure I had the context right. We laugh. Some of you, that's your Christianity right there. Jesus will get you if you don't watch out. And I don't believe that's the thrust of this passage. Now, is there a truth that living your life in rebellion to the things of God you will end up separated from God for eternity. Yes, that's the truth. So don't hear me saying, oh, everyone's in. That's, that's not the thrust of this. But I don't see the, that this passage is some threat to get you to shape up and act like you're supposed to act. I see this passage as this gentle reminder from Jesus, the master saying, I'm coming back. Stay faithful. I'm good. The task I've given you, it's good. It's for your good. The commands I've given you, they're for your joy. They're not to ruin your life. Stay faithful. I've called you to make disciples. Don't live in fear of, oh, I'm not doing this enough. No, go, share my love. Be, love other people because I'm coming back. That's what Jesus is trying to say. The Lord is good. Psalm 34, we sing it this morning. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you saints. And then, not this like, oh, fear, no, this healthy respect. Fear the Lord, you saints. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. The message of the Bible is Jesus is good. The master is good. His commands are good. The work he's given you is good. Stay faithful. Most of us coming here, like, we don't intend to live, like, in rebellion against God. We just get distracted. And I see Jesus as this reminder to say, hey, guys, listen, your life, it's that. Now, we got a young crowd here. And I know for, for some of you, like, your life, it just seems like, man, I got so many years. Guys, I sound old saying that it goes quick. Man, it goes quick. And, you know, we have, we have these tombstones. You have like the, you know, the, the year born and the year of death, and there's a little dash right in the middle, right? That's all you have. And, and we can live our life so focused on this thing, phone, and everything that's right here, and miss this reminder of Jesus coming back. Life's short. Don't get distracted.
And I think Jesus is reminding us this morning, be faithful. As your pastor, like I don't want you to leave here scared. Jesus is going to zap you if you don't shape up. But I hope you hear his words and reflect and ask yourself some hard questions like, what's the focus of, like, what's the thrust of my life? If, if, if someone watched me for, for this year and just kind of had a sentence about the thrust of my life, what is it? And does it really matter, that sentence? What did I focus on? Like, what did I worry about this whole week? And then to come here and with perspective kind of back up and say, man, did that really take a week's worth of worry? Was it worth it? Like, that's my heart for you this morning. It's an invitation from Jesus to evaluate our lives and to be good stewards because of that. And then together, we're going to gather around a table, a meal. And this meal, it represents something. You know what it represents? It represents another meal we're going to have. When Jesus comes back to restore his kingdom, kicks out evil forever. Here's the end of the story. You ready? One big meal, one big party, the banquet supper of the Lamb. We all sit around a table and we all celebrate the goodness of God. And even this morning as we come down and take this meal, let this meal remind you there's a better meal coming. Right? You're going to go eat lunch and it's going to be great. There's a better meal coming. Because of that meal, stay faithful. Keep going. Let this table, even this morning, be a practice that reminds you what's important in your life. Here's what I'm asking us to do. I'm not going to pray yet. I'm just going to ask us to just reflect. Close your eyes, if you will. Can you allow Jesus this morning, allow the Spirit, the words of the Bible, to, to shepherd you? Evaluate. What's the thrust of your life? What's your focus? What's your passion? Is it worth it? Just pray. Seek the Lord for a minute. Jesus, together we confess that you're good. Thank you for the reminder of that this morning. We also confess together we get distracted so easy. I pray, Lord, that you would use this scripture to pull us back to reality, pull us back to what's important. I pray that repentance would come in this beautiful way. May we be people, may we be a community that live in light of our master returning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.